1: From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer, in for Mina Kim. Congressman Adam Schiff just returned from a trip to Ukraine to discuss the U.S. commitment to Ukraine during the Russian invasion. We'll talk with him about his trip and his work on the committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Then Danica Rome stunned the world of Virginia politics in 2017 when she became the first openly trans person to win a seat in a state legislature. She defeated a Republican who held the seat for more than a quarter century. She's been reelected twice since then, She'll be here to talk about her new memoir, which is full of stories about her unlikely rise in politics. All that ahead on Forum. Join us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Scott Schaefer in for Mina Kim today. Los Angeles Democrat Adam Schiff, who chairs the House Intelligence Committee, just returned from Ukraine, where he joined a top-secret delegation led by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. They met with Ukraine's President Zelensky for several hours to discuss the U.S. commitment to helping Ukraine turn back Russia's brutal invasion. Congressman Schiff is also a member of the House Committee investigating the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. His recent memoir is titled Midnight in Washington, How We Almost Lost Our Democracy and Still Could. He joins us for the first part of this hour. Congressman Schiff, thanks for joining us. It's great to be with you. Let me begin by asking you about that trip uh, to Ukraine and Poland. What stood out to you?
2: Well, it was really remarkable to sit down with President Zelensky and see his uh, incredible calm uh, amidst the, the storm of this Russian invasion uh, as his forces were fighting uh, in eastern Ukraine uh, to have the command of the battlefield that he has and the respect of not only his own people, but uh, people all around the world, uh, was, was really remarkable. And, uh, of course, being in Kyiv was a study in contrast. Some parts of the city, uh, you know, people walking uh, in the park, and it looked like a normal day in a, in a country not at war. Uh, other parts of town look like a ghost town uh, with a curfew and uh, and, and boarded up buildings. So um, really surreal in that sense, uh, but it was a wonderful opportunity to explore with President Zelensky more what his country needs militarily, economically, and with humanitarian assistance.
1: Well, and let me ask you about that because uh, the U.S., of course, has, and NATO, have made uh, tremendous commitments to Ukraine. And I'm wondering, did the president ask for anything that either the U.S. or NATO either can't, won't, or, in your view, shouldn't give?
2: Well, I think it's his job uh, to be asking uh, for more, and whatever we give to ask for still more. That really is his role, Uh, and that's what he does. And he was very grateful, I think, for the extraordinary support we have provided. And, of course, there's a new $33 billion package the president uh, just announced before our visit Uh, and he was very grateful uh, that we're going to provide that level of support. But there are weapon systems. Uh, They uh, want anti-ship munitions, uh, harpoons, that can help them take out uh, the Black Sea Fleet, the Russian Black Sea Fleet, so they can reopen the port of Odessa. Um, The war has moved into a new phase. uh, Less uh, opportunity for Ukrainians to ambush Russian tanks. uh, When the Russian forces were as dispersed as they were, there was more of an opportunity for that kind of close fighting. Uh, now it's more fighting at a distance with long-range artillery. Uh, so there are long-range artillery systems that we are providing, but other more advanced ones that they are seeking, which I think we should also provide. Where
1: do you draw the line? Um, obviously, as you said, it's his job to ask for more. It's uh, your job in the Congress and the president's job to say yes or yes, but uh, where do you draw the line on what the U.S. can, can't, and shouldn't do?
2: Well, I draw the line at uh, getting the United States into a direct military confrontation with Russia. Uh, So uh, Ukrainians have wanted a no-fly zone. Um, I can't support that because that would involve American pilots shooting down Russian pilots. It would involve American pilots taking out Russian air defense systems inside of Russia. Uh, And I don't think we want that kind of a direct war between the U.S. or between NATO and Russia. Uh, But in terms of providing material support to Ukraine, I think we really need to lean in and give them everything they need to defend themselves. Uh, They have shown uh, a a tenacity, a perseverance, and courage uh, that I I think has been absolutely remarkable, of fending off one of the most powerful militaries in the world. And I think the only way to bring this conflict to a conclusion sooner than later is by raising the cost on Russia, uh, raising the cost by providing Ukraine with weapons, but also by – tightening the economic noose around Russia, increasing the sanctions. And so uh, leaning in in that way, uh, I think, is the best way to to bring this conflict to an end uh, and, and not have it devolve into a long war of attrition.
1: So far, at least, it seems that support for the U.S. policy in Congress has been fairly bipartisan. And now, as you mentioned, President Biden is asking for another $33 billion in uh, aid to Ukraine. And and as you know, Republicans want that to be a separate vote. Democrats are pushing more to combine that vote with COVID funding. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, I think both are urgent. Uh, the COVID funding is necessary to protect our own people uh, from this uh, terrible pandemic. Uh, we're seeing caseloads rise again. We want to make sure that we have the vaccines, that we have the uh, antivirals uh, and uh, um, the, the medicine that helps to shorten the Duration and the severity uh, of the illness when people contract it Uh, So that's really important for our own people and at the same time to defend our democracy and democracy around the world The support for Ukraine is vital Um, Whether it's in one bill or two it doesn't matter to me as much as uh, getting it done quickly so uh, as far as I'm concerned whatever the means is, is less important to me than the urgency of getting both done. Yeah, Uh,
1: about a week or so ago, the Defense Secretary, U.S. Defense Secretary uh, Lloyd Austin, said that the U.S. goal in Ukraine is to weaken Russia's military to the point that it really can't undertake this kind of aggression in the future. And I'm wondering if you think that is the right goal, is it too ambitious, or is it the right goal but don't talk about it, as New York Times columnist Tom Friedman suggested this morning?
2: Uh, I think it is the right goal. Ukraine has already, uh, I think, uh, destroyed or incapacitated about twenty percent of the Russian military capability. That's pretty remarkable uh, after uh, just a couple months. And I think the reality is, unless Russia is defeated, unless they're they're stripped of the ability to make war again on their neighbors, uh, this threat is going to be hanging over our heads. Uh, So uh, I think it's part of the military mission, but also. It's part of the economic sanctions. Uh, you know, when we, for example, sanction their ability to get components they need for their advanced weaponry, um, those kind of sanctions will, should last forever. Um, otherwise, a dictator like Putin is going to simply be emboldened uh, at another time and maybe in, in another place. So I think it's the right goal, uh, and I and I think you know whether it's said publicly or it's said privately, uh, the Russians understand that um, we and they don't want to make sure that they cannot. Uh, subjugate their neighbors simply because they feel they have the God-given right to do so.
1: Talking with Los Angeles Congressman Adam Schiff, who just returned from Ukraine with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats, um, I want to ask you, of course, you know, you've know, you had a chance now to see Zelensky up close, see his strength and his personality, to meet him, talk with him. And I'm wondering if that changes the way you see his conversation with President Trump, the one that led to Trump's uh, impeachment.
2: Uh, You know, it really does, and I think about it in a couple terms. I think about the fact that uh, this same Zelensky, this uh, really this Churchill of Ukraine, uh, the world has now gotten to know, uh, is the same person that Donald Trump was shaking down, trying to extort by withholding military uh, support at a time when even then Ukrainians were dying at the hands of Russian troops uh, every week, sometimes every day. But I also think about the fact that this this comic actor, Zelensky, turned— president of his country, um, in his first major interaction with the most important ally of Ukraine, the United States, what happens but Donald Trump tries to shake him down? Uh, And what he must have thought, as this really novice politician, uh, that is the United States uh, just hypocritical about its values, does it not have any values, Uh, that it would uh, try to extort me by withholding military aid to get a political favor? Um, Or is this just the way diplomacy works? Is this the way the world stage is really constructed? And uh, it it just, I find it so disturbing that that was his first impression of the United States. And and I'm glad he's getting a very different look
3: at America now.
1: We've got a, a listener tweet who says, uh, what does Adam Schiff have to say to those who believe that sending arms to Ukraine will prolong the conflict, leading to more destruction and more death? Uh,
2: well, I, I think that if you look at Putin and his record and what he responds to, um, you know, weakness is an invitation. Uh, had we not been supporting Ukraine, they might very well have overrun uh, Kyiv or other parts of the country. Uh, had we not been warning the rest of the world about what Putin's intentions were, uh, we might not have been able to bring about such vigorous uh, sanctions. Uh, so I, I understand the the appeal of that uh, argument. It does seem counterintuitive at one level that by providing military support, you would help to end the conflict sooner than later. But I think that's the reality. Putin will not stop until he feels that he has to stop. Uh, and and I think it's it's important that, Um, The Russian people feel uh, the the pain of this war uh, and see what their their despot is putting Ukraine through and the economic consequences in their lives. But I also think that we need to help the Ukrainians uh, stand up to this aggression, or we're going to just see more of it, uh, Russian aggression in Moldova, in Georgia— and perhaps even in NATO countries.
1: I want to ask you about your work on the January 6th committee investigating the attack on the US Capitol. Uh, public hearings are now scheduled in June, I think starting on June 9th. What do you hope those hearings will accomplish and how do you prevent them from, you know, turning into a media circus? I mean, obviously I think the, you know, the, you don't have that happening on the committee so much because of who's on it. Uh, but certainly elsewhere through the, you know, media and uh, social media and so on, it, it could devolve into something, you know, not particularly helpful.
2: Well, what we hope to do is get out good information to the American people, expose uh, everyone uh, and everything that was done to uh, overturn an election to prevent the peaceful transfer of power for the first time in our history. Um, and there were multiple lines of effort to do that, uh, Uh, Efforts at the state legislative level to coerce state legislators into ignoring their duty uh, or to finding 11,780 votes that don't exist in the case of the Georgia Secretary of State and the the president's pressure campaign on him, the pressure campaign on Mike Pence, uh, the bogus litigation around the country, all of the efforts to interfere with the transfer of power, including votes in Congress to overturn the election. Uh, So we want to make it abundantly clear to the American people this was no normal tourist day. Uh, This was not legitimate political discourse. It was an anti-democratic effort to really effectuate a coup in terms of who would run the country. Uh, In terms of of would it become a media circus, I think the fact that all the committee members are interested in getting to the truth uh, and not fighting amongst themselves or scoring political points, uh, it'll be a very different kind of hearing than the, the bickering back and forth that you often see between the parties. Uh, that will help a great deal. Uh, you know, social media is gonna do what social media does. Uh, Fox News is gonna do what Fox does. Yep. And uh, after promising to cover the impeachment, they put it in a small silent uh, box on the lower corner of the screen. So that we can't control, but yep. um, we hope to reach the American people as best we can.
1: All right, Congressman Adam Schiff, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break, and when I come back, we're going to hear from somebody who really upended the world of Virginia politics a few years ago and continues to do so. I'm Scott Schaefer, here today for Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum.
3: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.